Welcome to the Cultivating Success Podcast. Jeff Sofer and Jonathan Wolfson are brothers and business partners of the top landscaping company, Nature's Experts. Nature's Experts is home to six companies that cater to all your outdoor needs. To learn more about Jeff and Jonathan, simply visit us at www.naturesexperts.com. On the podcast, Jeff and Jonathan bring together other business owners and entrepreneurs to share with you how they developed a prosperous company and how you can too. You will gain insights and meaningful advice on creating the building blocks to success and longevity in the entrepreneurial realm. And now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sofer and Jonathan Wolfson. All right, Robert and Roman, thank you for joining us on the Cultivating Success podcast today. Uh, it certainly is going to be an interesting call. It always is, typically, whenever you have Jeff around. Um, nice but to meet I'm, you both. Nice <laughs> I'm uh, excited to uh, get to know both of you and learn a little bit more about what you guys do as it relates to the insurance marketplace and what services you guys offer, because it is really something that a growing company can struggle with, especially at different levels. Uh, specifically for a service-based industry, if you have higher levels of liabilities and you actually use your limits, you know, it's, it's something that can really impact your business. So I'm looking uh, forward to getting to know you guys a little bit more and understanding um, some ways and directions to kind of guide people to better educate them on insurance. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for inviting us on the podcast. We're definitely excited to be here. Um, we'll do a brief introduction. So my name is Roman Petty. I've been in the insurance industry for a better part of a decade now and focused on, on heavier classes of business, blue collar classes of business where claims are a little bit more apparent, right, with auto and work comp claims, particularly down here in South Florida, as well as any general liability claims. Um, but we both work at USI Insurance which is a national broker, and we'll get a little bit more into that in a moment. But I wanted Robert to introduce himself as well. Yeah, so uh, Robert Pine. So along with Roman, I am Blue Collar as well, or work with Blue Collar companies. And I've been in the industry about five years now. So uh, USI, like I said, is a national brokerage firm, which gives us a lot of uh, leverage, not only in the market segment space or in your market segment space, but it gives us the ability to work with a lot of other companies and a lot of other people to hear what's happening in the insurance marketplace at a local level, a regional level, and, and national level. So we're tapped in to what's happening all over the country. And uh, you know we get to hear all the stories of, of what's been happening with different carriers uh, locally, regionally, nationally. And so does that allow, you know, I know there's only certain carriers that want to participate in certain states and in certain marketplaces, because you guys are a larger firm, can you still attract other, do they have to be licensed in the state, the insurance companies, or do they just opt in or opt out? They do have to be licensed. Um, insurance is a very regulated business, as, as I'm sure you're well aware, but what's ended up happening and probably why you say this is because we're operating in South Florida, right? And particularly the Tri-County area, Palm Beach, Broward, and Dade counties. Uh, we have a very limited amount of carriers compared to other places, like, like let's say Indiana, that want to write business in South Florida. Because of the hurricanes and tropical storms, et cetera. Right. And that's that's just property insurance, which is another beast of its own, Um Wait, they want to? They do not. No, they don't want to. They, they don't, don't want to. to. And there's many, many reasons for it. And we're what are go the other that. reasons? What are the other major reasons why they don't sure. want to? 
Sure. So I'm sure you've driven in Dade County before, and you probably have both hands on the wheel, white knuckled all the way down I-95. That's something that we definitely can relate to. And it's something that our clients and their drivers relate to. Jeff has one hand on the wheel and the other foot is on the gas. (laughs) (laughs) Well, did they rate slow down because I want to understand. So people have to slow down. You're the one with one hand on the wheel. Oh, I see. Yeah. But right now, while we're sitting here, I want you to slow down, Roman, because I want to ask you a couple of questions. So you're saying that the insurance companies, they sort of rate drivers by the segment of the country that they live in and say, I think drivers in this particular geographic region are more difficult than drivers that are in this location. These are more risky over in this geographic location. Is that what you're telling us? Yes. Oh, I never knew that. I never knew that. And there's drastic differences from Miami-Dade to Palm Beach to even Orange County in Orlando. I remember when I started an insurance the, and even today, you'll see rates as low as $1,500 to $2,000 a unit for million-dollar commercial limits uh, in Orlando, and you'll see rates up to eight or 10000 a unit in Miami-Dade. And how do they collect this data from these geographic areas to give them that information that makes it like that it's really true in that area? That's a great question. That's a great question, Jeff. And and carriers <laughs> carriers use actuaries, right, to look at the data. And the way that they collect the data is they either purchase it from other insurance carriers and they look at their books of business and how, and how their books of business are performing. Actuaries then take that data, they crunch it, they come back with the analytics, and underwriters use those analytics to help predict the proper pricing, predict the expected losses, which will drive your pricing or will be used as a multiplier for um, new accounts that have claims history, right? So at the end of the day, what is expected from the actuaries is multiplied by the actual claims and that'll give you oftentimes your premiums. Um, and, and, and that's why down in South Florida, it's much more congested and that's why the, the premiums are higher. Also, there's a lot of very expensive cars down here. So if you're in the middle of Alabama, it's unlikely to run into a Lamborghini or Ferrari or an S-Class Mercedes. Down here, we see those cars every single day. Every other time. Exactly. Exactly. So the, the claim value from a property damage standpoint is much higher. And also in South Florida and Florida as a whole is a highly litigious state. I mean, how many Morgan & Morgan commercials or billboards have you seen? Every day, if you listen to uh, AM w- 850 WFTL, it's on all day long. If you're, one, if you're one of 100 listeners. That's that right. That's right. How old are you, Robert? So I'm 26. You are young. And how old yep. are you, Roman? 30. You are not as young, but you're still young. <laughs> so you've been doing this for the better part of a decade. You've been doing this for five years. Do you predict at this age that you will be burnt out at doing this by age 45? Well, I'm actually already burnt out. What? So I'm actually already burnt out. So is that true? Is that true? I mean, it is, it is a hard industry, you know? So I'm asking you. I mean, at the end of the day, if one of our clients has a bad loss, we have to make sure that we have the proper coverage in place. So at the end of the day, it's not just me and it's not just work, but it affects other people as well. 
you know, so just knowing that. But you're burnt out. Why? Because you feel bad? Because. Well, it's just, it's a hard market now. And we'll get a little bit into that um, here shortly. But I mean, just these rates are ridiculous now, as you know, it's a fortune, you know, so we hear that on the back end where it's like, hey, I don't, I can't afford this insurance or like whatever it may be, it's expensive. So along with that, it's expensive. The reason I'm asking you, well, first of all, you answer, uh, Robert, or Roman. Roman, sorry, you answer, like, will you, do you think you'll be burnt out in 15 years from this? No, I don't think so. I think right. that being in a high performance sales position, you have to have a certain level of fortitude to survive. And most people don't have that. It's very difficult in this hardened market and hardening market. It's even more difficult because unfortunately we're the bearer of bad news more often than we're the bearer of good news with rates increasing the way they have um, on auto heavy fleets on any sort of property driven accounts. uh, It's, it's difficult, but at the end of the day, I've learned that those discussions are much easier when you have them very early on when expectations are set properly six, eight months prior to when we utilize the resources that a company like USI gives us with beginning of the year uh, and mid-year outlooks for what we expect to happen in the marketplace. And also, once you have a book of business that's of a certain size and you have a certain amount of clients, you have a good finger on the pulse of what's happening in the marketplace. So I can say with a very high level of certainty what I expect, and I am traditionally right on the money. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's it's a little bit different being a more tenured producer. And for me, it's much more managing my book of business and relationships I currently have than simply dialing for dollars and and trying to create a new business, right? A new book of business. You're very sharp. And you, if you've been doing this for less than a decade and you still have the same charisma, you're right. You won't be sick of this in 45, uh, by the time you're 45. In 15 years from now, you won't be because you seem to be, um, as I speak, you seem to be very like dialed in on the style of how I'm talking to you. And I can tell that like you're like learning from the conversation, not that you're learning from me, but you're just learning of dealing with different particular individuals. And I think that helps you not get burnt out if you always look at like learning and trying to understand. So going back to you, Robert, I think that like you maybe you are burnt out because maybe the thing is, is that you're focusing on too much of like what the complaints are. You got in at a crappy time. It's like, so, so it's, I didn't mean it like I was like, time. that's what happened. And what the problems are rather than how do I like particularly like figure out how for me to get better to handle these so it doesn't affect me the way that it affects you. Get a bigger book of business. That's one of yeah. them. And, and, it was and, not, and not sell more so it's worth <laughs> it and then not have a recession and then not have yeah. insane inflation simultaneously all within your first five years. You're way too young to be burnt out. And it's not, I didn't mean like I was burnt out. It's more of a joke, but it's like, That's it, it is. That's yeah, I know, but um, like I love my job. I have a smile every day when I come to work. I love selling. I wouldn't want to do anything else, but it is hard at points, you know. So sometimes, like I said, he came in at the worst time. Can I tell you something else? Here's a big secret. Ready? You said it is hard. Every single thing is hard. So to me, it is so boring when people complain about something being hard. 
everything's hard. So if yeah. you start your day at like, everything's going to be difficult today, what's really going to be difficult? Yeah. You're not going to have anything difficult. Stop. You're not going to really have everything, have anything difficult. So the reason I'm asking you is because you guys are like young salespeople and like for you to properly, like, I mean, you can give us information, like anyone that works for a company, you know, I ask you questions, you give us the information, but like, how are we going to feel really comfortable going with you if we get like similar answers from other people that do the same things that you guys do? So you get that by creating a relationship from somebody's charisma and you have that, Roman, is that a mole on your, or is that on John's screen? I can't see if that's a, no, it's on John's screen. No, no, no moles on this pure skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So still, still smooth like a baby's bottom. My girlfriend is jealous. I don't use any good. of those screens. That's good. You know? That's good. I'm sure. <laughs> she probably has blemishes all over. Um, but I feel like that's really the thing. So for me, it's like getting information from you guys is great, but like, why go with you guys? Why should someone buy into you and to your company even if like um, you get the lowest rate, obviously that's the most important thing for everybody. But sometimes we've come into a situation where we have two competing agents or two complete competing representatives and there's really they're really close. And you sort of guess who's going to give you that better service or the next year for renewal, they already feel like you've they got you. So you're just going to go back and do it again, even if it goes up. But how do we know you're going to like look out for us the next year? How do we really know all that stuff? Jeff, it sounds like you've uh, shopped insurance a number of times in your career. I'm 54. You're 30. <laughs> so I, I would tell you there's there's a number of items to look for when you choose a broker. One, you want to choose a brokerage firm that has the ability to help elevate your business to the next level at any stage of your business. So when you were a $5 million company, you know, you were trying to get to that $10 million mark. Yep. How is that going to happen? And how is your risk management program going to help that happen? And I say that because a lot of, there's a difference between analytical brokers and placement brokers. A placement broker is going to shop the marketplace. They're going to go to every carrier. They probably have every carrier relationship. But at the end of the day, they're just saying, hey, please, Mr. Insurance Carrier, please give us the cheaper rate because you know sure. what really good guys and the losses say that they're good. And then there's someone who's going to look at your risk and look at the total cost of risk, right? We're going to analyze not only just the insurance premiums, but what type of retentions or deductibles can you look at to ensure that your premiums are staying below the average. So your bidding can stay competitive. So your margins can stay strong. You have to look at someone who's going to help you implement uh, loss control programs and safety you're programs. An analytical broker is what you're saying. Yes, yes, Both absolutely. And our goal, I mean, our goal here is to ensure that your business is growing and we're helping you grow. And when I say that, we're focused on helping you maintain and gather good talent. We both know how difficult that is in today's business world. And it's one of the biggest challenges that we see, particularly in the blue collar space in South Florida. I never and even knew that, that there was a, some, it was like a part of like in the business thing that there's an analytical broker and a placement broker. And the truth is without putting them into those terms, I sort of see who's been like that in the past. Well, there are people out there that, and people can have great careers. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just a different right. style, but right. they're slaying an insurance and trying to get to the bottom dollar. And then there's a strategic approach where you're actually looking at what's driving the insurance costs. Sure. What's, what's helping the, the company grow or what's, what's stymieing the company from growth. Right. And we, are really a value add partner in the sense that we have 
material and loss control individuals that come out and will speak to your team that will help you have more useful toolbox talks that are focused on criteria that is relevant to what we're dealing with each and every day. For example, my team and I were meeting with our clients last week and this week, and we've been discussing the new OSHA standards for for heat uh, safety. I mean, yesterday, I think the heat index was 111 degrees here in, in Broward, and it's the hottest summer that has ever been recorded in global history. So how are we protecting our employees, our team members, the guys that come up, come out and show out for our clients each and every day? And they know that because we're helping our clients build a better culture, a safer culture, so that those team members can go back to their homes at night and say, hey, you know what? My employer cares about me and they're taking care of me and we have a great culture and great supervisors to work with. So when I say analytical broker, it's just that we do so much more than just focus on cheap insurance premiums. We're looking at the total cost of risk and how to bring your business to the next level. Very interesting. Let's segue a little bit into we had COVID. We have South Florida that's being populated like crazy every single day. You know, people have always been coming to Florida, specifically South Florida, and it's been a growing population since, you know, the 70s. So now, are both of you Florida natives? I was born in Fort Lauderdale, raised in St. Louis, Missouri, and Jeff was born in St. Louis, Missouri and raised in South Florida. Isn't that funny? All right. Well, you've been here for a long time. Are you? Yes. One of the few. One of the few remaining. Where were you born? West Palm Beach. And you? West Palm Beach as well. Same hospital? (laughs) I don't know. Where were you born? The same mother? Yeah. I'm not sure what hospital I was born in, actually. Or Good Sam. I was born in Good Sam. I was in Rural. You don't yeah. remember which hospital you were born in? <laughs> How no, I never asked. <laughs> I was too young. <laughs> too young, right. The, the only reason I asked is, is just I wanted to hear what your personal opinion was on what you've seen in South Florida and the growth that we've seen. I've seen the West Palm Beach skyline flourish, right? It's unbelievable. Um, so I'm, I'm very interested to see what the what your guys' state is as far as the current market situation and what you think is going to happen to it. Because the thing is that we have several things kind of happening right now. We have uh, inflation, more people, higher interest rates, and an election coming up. So do any of those things have to do with insurance first, I guess? Yes, some of them do. I wouldn't say the election has a direct impact. That's a very long-term tail and can affect the reinsurance markets. and, And that would also go with higher interest rates which is one driver of the increase in the property market or the increase in premiums in the property market and lack of availability of property market carriers or an opportunity for carriers to enter the space. But from a local level, there's definitely an impact for or due to the increase in density in South Florida. The more drivers on the road, the more opportunity there is for accidents, the more full the highways are, more opportunity for accidents. And there's but just more, opportunity more opportunity for accidents, but you have more clients that you're insuring. Isn't that ultimately drive down the price? Because listen, even though there's like literally 10 accidents a day on 95 or more, it's 20 probably. There's literally probably 20 accidents between Miami to West Palm a day. Even with that, there's still millions and millions and millions of people having auto insurance. So it's like, isn't it insignificant at the same time? No, no. 
And that goes back to what we talked about a little bit at the beginning of how each geographic area has higher expected losses, which in turn creates higher rates. Um, Carriers have seen challenges in the South Florida marketplace on all lines of coverage for years and years now. I mean, we've seen massive claims from condo or apartment conversions to condos because the statute of repose was 10 years in Florida. We'd have attorneys submit claims at year nine, year eight and a half that an association needs an entire new roof, right? And that is reflected as well into the auto marketplace. Like I mentioned, higher density of people, more likelihood of accidents occurring. And also the higher density of people oftentimes leads to potentially higher crime, more theft of equipment, of trailers, of trucks, whatever it may be for your company. And that's what drives the insurance premium as a whole. So yes, there's more people, but the likelihood of a claim occurring has risen faster than the amount of premium that is being collected by these carriers. So what's your prediction then moving forward you know, to close this year and start next year, what's your prediction with the actual insurance market? We've seen softening in some areas, mostly professional liability, as well as management lines of insurance, your directors and officers insurance, your errors and omissions, cyber, those types of coverages. But for your main three lines of underlying coverage, which would be work comp, general liability, and auto, Two of the three, we're seeing rate increases, uh, and work comp has fallen actually for five years in a row, six years in a row or so. And there's many different reasons why that's specific to each line of coverage. Um, so we can talk a little bit about work comp since we haven't mentioned that yet. So work comp is not really. I mean, no one's really in charge of the rate for work comp except for NCCI, isn't that right? Yes, NCCI, National Council of Compensation Insurance. You know they're headquartered right in Boca. Yeah, close is enough. Collect your workers' common check. We used to take care of the plants. Is that, is that what you're Oh, talking? really? Yeah, we used to take care of the interior plants there Uh-oh. in that building. They have a very nice campus. They do. Yes, 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 yes. So what, what they're they not hurting for money. Yeah, what they charge. Well, they can yeah. charge whatever they want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, they they're can... they're just a rating agency. Yeah, they're not collecting premiums. Um, so. The NCCI, they work with the state. And as you know, uh, if you're an NCCI rated state, traditionally those those rates are state mandated or state agreed upon. So in Florida, we have state filed rates and your rate is pretty much set by the NCCI and by the state of Florida. Now, the way the carriers differentiate that is they either add rate with what's called a consent to rate, which you may have heard of in the past, or there are traditionally dividend programs. And these are for guaranteed cost insurance programs, not any sort of retro, deductible, captive, any sort of self-insured type of programs, right? These are just regular guaranteed cost programs. So carriers have differentiated themselves with those two items, consent to rate, dividend programs. Dividends when you receive a portion of your premium back at the end of the year for being a well-performing client, um, and a consent to rate is you get no losses. Right. If you have no losses for a dividend, you'd receive 17 or 20 or 25 percent of your premium back. We've seen those dividends shrink over the last couple of years because there have been a decrease in the state filed rates. And we've seen consent to rates become more because carriers feel that they are not receiving the proper amount of rate 
But at the end of the day, if you have a properly well-managed work comp program from the risk management standpoint, you should be seeing pretty significant decreases year over year uh, over the last three years. Okay. So general liability and auto is definitely going up. So going past the six-month period, can it just keep going up? Well, it's starting to become a real issue for businesses and individuals alike. If you look at your auto policies, I'm sure that you've seen increases steadily over the last number of years. I certainly have, uh, and, and I work in the industry, right? So we're seeing that on a corporate level as well. However, on a corporate level, you have many more tools to help fight these increases than you and I personally do for our personal autos. So one item that we've recommended that our clients begin utilizing are some sort of combination of GPS tracking, telematics, as well as cameras facing out and inside of the cab. And the cameras make a huge difference, not only in risk management and lowering the frequency as well as severity of the claims, but they also have had unforeseen benefits such as drivers driving slower using less fuel. And if you have 50 or 80 or 100 trucks on the road, that can be tens of thousands of dollars a year. I'll give you an example. One of my clients, they are a very heavy fleet in North Florida. They have about 110 units and they saw a decrease in fuel by about $55,000 year over year from implementing the GPS telematics at tracking as well as the cameras. Um, simply because their drivers were driving more conservatively and slower. Interesting. Yeah, we currently have uh, GPS and the cameras in our vehicles. Uh, it's definitely saved us actually from certain claims by not making us actually at fault. So it's definitely exactly. been a big um, help. help as far as you know managing the fleet and the responsibility to actually know, you know, you, you just don't know as a business owner, you're automatically guilty. If you hit, if someone gets hit by a commercial vehicle, you're automatically guilty. The only yes. way is if you literally have a recording of it and they're pulling out in front of you or they slammed on their brakes completely unnecessarily. You're, and, you're guilty until proven innocent. The courts have said, hey, companies have deep pockets. We're going to side with the claimant traditionally. So the non-corporation. So this is a personal question. So our company currently has probably around 75 vehicles mm -hmm. that are on the road right now. Our insurance is scheduled to go up uh, significantly next year for our auto. What is your thought of doing, and I'm not positive what the word is, but to self-insure up to a certain limit and then get supplemental insurance for above that? You mean a certain deductible? No, you self-insure. Sure. So that segues me right into my next point is to discuss some level of self-insurance, which starts at either a paid loss retro or incurred loss retro and moves up to a large deductible and then into the captive space. And the captive space has been very, very popular, particularly in South Florida. Because What's captive space? So captives, instead of working with a carrier that accepts Many small companies, you don't know what their risk management procedures are like. I'm sure that they don't have GPS, telematics, cameras in their trucks. They haven't invested the same amount of time, effort, and money as you have in, in protecting your employees and your fleet, but you're still lumped in with them. 
So when they have a bad accident, that will go against your rates, right? Mm -hmm. So a captive in in sense is you're you're entering the insurance space and you're, think of it as creating your own insurance company, but you're choosing what members you'd like to be involved in that insurance company. Yeah, so you the insurance company, they're collecting all of the data from the thousand customers that they have. And then the 10, the 10 vehicles that those thousand customers have, and then they're creating a ratio of risk to figure out their price ultimately. Right, right. But with a captive, you get to choose the members that you're, you're entering into this insurance agreement with. You get to say, hey, we want to see all of your risk management procedures what are you doing well? What can we learn from that? And more importantly, how have your losses looked over the last five years? Oh, spectacular. Well, we want to partner with you. And instead of being with- let's go with not spectacular. And let's go the, let's go the conversation that way. So, well, and that's fine too. <laughs> it's just- well, I, just, I want to, this is kind of a personal question, uh, but I think that a lot of people are fighting with, listen, you hire some people and they're not as qualified as you thought that they were going to be. And then an accident happens or um, accidents just actually happen. And, and your business becomes victim to just these people that you're hiring to work for you. And they can fuck up your entire you know, insurance situation for that year and, and beyond. We've heard that in the past. And what we do with our clients is we help create one, a hiring process, two, motor vehicle report monitoring uh, to ensure that we can either set up systems with you. We have partners that are third-party partners that um, will monitor those motor, motor vehicle reports to say, hey, you know, John Doe actually just got a DUI last week. His license is revoked. He didn't want to tell his employer because he drives for his company and would lose his job potentially. But now you're made aware of it and you can say, hey, John Doe, you're no longer going to be driving for the company. You can still keep your position. That's how we can help protect you in a proactive sense. Also, we have something that we do in-house, driver analytics in-house, where we pull all the motor vehicle reports of all your drivers and we rate them all on what has happened in the past, right? So we give them a driver score or a driver assessment. And and one of those items, for example, would be, has this person received a ticket for changing lanes without utilizing uh, a blinker, right? That person is seven times more likely to be in an accident than someone who's never been cited for that. So we look at a granular level of the people that one are already driving for you. And two, we can help look at new hires as well to ensure that we're handpicking drivers and that if you have four or five guys in a crew, the best out of those guys is consistently driving for you. So those are some of the proactive measures that we've taken. Now, claims do occur. So, so to go back do- though to the self-insuring process, right? Mm-hmm. What are the different levels of it for a larger company wanting to do partial selfing and self-insure, but also have the limits of a large company uh, as it's required for like a lot of contracts? Yes, of course. Well, and and any any captive or large deductible program you would go into would be backed by a Zurich or a Liberty or a large national carrier so that one, you're never going to fall out of Um, contractual obligations that you may have entered. And two, you're going to continue to have the same limits that are necessary. Um, But a lot of the... Is it usually like, you know, you cover anything under $20,000? 
and then everything above that goes to the carrier or what's like the structure in which it normally occurs? No, you would take more skin in the game than that. And what we would do is we'd run some analytics and have our resource team review your losses to say, hey, you know what? 80% of your claims are under the $150,000 mark. So what you're going to do is you're going to take a deductible, which would have to be collateralized, but you'd take a deductible of 150000 for the first of any claim, but your premium is going to be reduced from, let's say, 650000 down to 300000 And we're going to take... So our auto, for example, uh, is like $250,000, I think, for just one of our companies. Mm-hmm. So if we self-insured in this particular scenario and say that 85% of the claims are under $100,000, if we assumed the $100,000, the other $150,000, it would be less ultimately. You just yes. And one issue though. Is it always a transparent savings like that though? Yes, but your premium has to be slightly larger. And it can be a combination of premiums between work comp, general liability, and auto. And then you can play with a larger pool of money to make those deductibles make sense and the premium relief justify the deductible. But basic terms, last year I spent $250,000, right? They're Mm -hmm. saying my new premium next year is going to be $300,000. Just talk sake, right? They determined that you know, that 85% of the claims were under $100,000. We would pay for everything up to $100,000. What would usually the likelihood of the $200,000 going down from 300? You know, that other extra $200,000, like does it usually go down by 20 or 30%? So deductible programs, like large deductible programs don't really work in that premium range. You need like six, 700,000 in premium for that to become truly effective. Now you can look at retrospective rating programs um, in either an incurred or pay loss retro and the deductibles wouldn't be as large. So you well, we look at like a $25,000 or $50,000 deductible. We could do all of our auto together. Uh, it would be separate companies. But as far as an insurance company, I would assume they just care about the total amount of money. They don't care if it's five companies under one policy. No, no, especially not on the casualty line, like auto with work comp, it can create, there just has to be ownership similarities, but for the other, for the other lines of business that you can insure. Auto, if we wanted to have one policy and let's say we spend $600,000 currently and our collective losses were, you know, 300, for example, mm-hmm. you're saying ultimately though, that by having a large enough policy like this, you're eligible to self-insure a portion. And by yes. self-insuring a portion, it's still the same money that would go through the insurance. You're just responsible to like actually complete the transactions with all these people and then pay for it. So you're just yes. kind of, you're more hands-on actually with the insurance process. And then it does reduce your actual total premium always or most of the time? Always. Always. Yes. Uh, what, are, what are the risks of doing it though? So there, there's always, there's got to, if there's a guaranteed uh, reduction in price, yeah. there has to be a risk because there's yeah. never a risk without a reward. Of course there is. Of course there is. Just like anything in business, you have to look at that risk and reward and see and what could that? be the upside and what could be the downside. Mm-hmm. So the downside is, is if you have a bad year, you have seven or eight claims that are all over $100,000, right? Then you're going to 
take that, what was a $600,000 guaranteed cost program, you're in a large deductible for 300,000, but you just had seven claims at hundred grand a pop, you're looking at spending potentially a million dollars that year versus what would have been 600,000 if you didn't take that opportunity to have that premium reduction. So that's well, what the downside is. It was a pay, I think you said it was a pay-in premium in the sense of like, you're responsible up to $100,000 or three, say 300,000. You're responsible up to 300. No, the premium would be because they have- that, Or is it every occurrence that's under a certain amount of money? Exactly. It's, so it's, it's, not, it's not a total amount of money in. It's if any claim is under $100,000, you're responsible. If there's 12, you're responsible. Yes. Zero. You're also responsible and you can save. But that's where risk management comes into play and taking steps such as having cameras and vetting drivers and and having defensive driving classes once every month or other month. That's where these proactive loss control measures make a significant difference and really differentiates you differentiates you from a lot of your competition. And once you take skin in the game, carriers will give you those larger discounts. So you just have to be prepared with those proactive measures. What's mm-hmm. the least amount per occurrence that they usually offer? You could probably get as low as a $50,000 deductible. Okay. But you won't receive as much premium relief. So, and, and at the end of the day, we have to just look at the numbers and we can tell you. Right. Well, you've been able to tell us just on John's examples here. So I mean, that's yeah. impressive. So it's but we just, can tell you with statistical statistical certainty. Yes, of course. Well, if you have so. you, yeah, this is just off the cuff. We understand that. Yes. You know, I think in business, particularly, you have is that to be, water in there. What is that in there? Uh, it's Wednesday after three o'clock. Could be a screwdriver. No, it's uh-huh. just come on. <laughs> Insurance isn't that tough. We don't have to drink in the middle of the day. That's why you're not burnt out. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's just important that. You know, the point of sometimes, you know, a lot of times on this podcast, particularly, we try to relate things to our particular business because we want to get like really super hyper focused on an actual solution for something. And for people to understand there's people like you that are out there that they can connect with to get an actual answer, not just, hey, we sell insurance. Hey, we do this. Hey, we sell that. Come to us because we think that we're great. There has to be an actual process and a dialogue that can actually relay that there's a trust, there's a process, there's an answer, because no one really likes to waste time with the wrong type of people, you know? And sometimes even just listening to things that we're talking about like this and just coming up with different ideas, to me, whenever I listen to podcasts, it make I relate everything to my business. So it just gets the creative juices flowing, so to speak, you know? Well, I'm glad that we were able to share some answers and some insight into what we deal with on a day-to-day basis. And I think that there's a lot of opportunity for your particular business to take a deeper look and see what would happen if we were to combine some of the policies, ensure some of the businesses together, and where those deductibles or retentions could make a big difference. Thank you very much. He just stole my bracelet. Yeah, I love the relationship you guys have. Yes, it's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what happens is I'm the punching bag. He makes fun of me and I just take it. That's the relationship. No, I'm just kidding. Someone has to be, you know, <laughs> as long as everyone understands their roles. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> um, this has really been informative for myself. 
about really learning more about the particular industry of insurance and really how you guys can specifically, I think, help people because it really is the agent. You know, it's it's one of those things we've we've had only a few probably agents over the years. And, um, you know, you see slight differences with them. Well, we've chosen a few agents, but we've met tons of them who've given us a pitch, but we've only chosen a few mm-hmm. of them. And, uh, you know, it really is definitely a certain level of trust. It's a certain level of, um, you know, the work that they do, because there's definitely the types of agents that give you the premium and they're like hot and heavy for helping you like right in the beginning and right afterwards. And then like, you don't see them for nine months. Uh, and then they come back right then. And then of course you can't get your premium information until like 30 seconds before it's due. And- Heard that one many times <laughs> from not my clients. From right. from people who who I meet with, it's yeah, something that's with that. yes, right. it's something that has become standard in the insurance marketplace, and it's unfortunate, particularly since rates are increasing and agents' commissions are increasing. Oh, really? It's a direct relationship. Oh, interesting, interesting, interesting. So it's is it carrier specific? Like I always, I've always gotten the impression that it's like carrier specific because. Listen, I, I know there's not like a thousand options for insurance and especially for like once you get into a specific industry of risk, you know, if you're a home builder, if you're a landscaper, if you're a plumber, there are only certain ones that are in there. But I personally get that feeling a lot of times like like there's got to be a better way. There's got to be another option. Like even in the creative sense of we talked about self-insuring to a certain point, you know, there's always a possible way that you can, you know, at least mitigate your losses for the next year, at least understand like, Hey, if you, this is what it's going to go up, Mm -hmm. but I can tell you with certainty, if you have your losses that are under X, that your rate is going to reduce back down and this much of a likelihood, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, you never really get that feeling, at least that I haven't, of like, you know, you know, you're being led into the right direction versus like, listen, it sucks. I know. Let me go back to them. Oh my God, they beat me up. They gave me $5,000 off. I threw in, in, you know, my firstborn and then they gave me another $5,000 off. Oh my God. It was just so brutal. And, uh, you know, I just, I really hope this does it, but like, I don't think we have another option. Then you got to sign by midnight. Right. Coverage expires and you have to make a decision. Yeah, that's not how I like to do business. Um, we look at all all options, right? We And the way to get other carriers interested in your business is by looking at some of those deductibles that you that may qualify, you may qualify for and, and putting skin in the game and investing into the loss control procedures in your business, which it sounds like you've already done. So at the end of the day, it's not just looking at your your premium, right? It's looking at your total cost of risk because now you're paying five, four, five, six hundred dollars a year per vehicle for your GPS, telematics, cameras, monitoring. You have to hire someone that is monitoring that. All of this goes into the the total cost of your insurance program, right? So we really focus on not only, hey, this carrier is going to be the best fit for you and their premiums are going to be less expensive, but why is that happening? And is this something that's repeatable? Right. Exactly. Exactly. 
Well, I think this has been a great conversation with both of you, Robert and Roman. I appreciate you guys taking time today to speak to us on the Cultivating Success podcast. I think this was great. If you would, please let everyone know how they can get in touch with you. Uh, if they're interested in talking insurance and learning more about how you guys can really actually help them with understanding why they're at where they're at, because I think that's really as a business owner and entrepreneur, you know, the information is the information, but it's most frustrating when you feel like you're not given all the facts and the figures. Absolutely. A level of transparency is extremely important with when building any relationship, particularly one where we're acting as your insurance broker, because at the end of the day, we're protecting the baby you built. So you can get in contact with us through my email, which is roman.petty at usi.com or Robert's email. Uh, Robert.pine at usi.com. Or call me on my cell, 561-254-1852. Or you can call me on my cell as well, 561-631-0716. Roman's definitely a call me on my cell anytime kind of guy. You can tell. Oh, absolutely. 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 You're like that. (laughs) Like, oh, hold on a second. I have to answer this call in the middle exactly. in the middle of the podcast. Like, hold on a second. Exactly. I I deal with that challenge as well. It's something where I have to turn my phone over because I don't miss phone calls. <laughs> I try pretty hard not to. I mean, except this. I, I I don't I I just sometimes I don't answer his calls because he I can call back and he'll understand. Other people, they don't understand it. They want yes. you know what I mean? See, I respond Absolutely. though. Sorry, I can't talk right now. I don't do that. Yeah, I don't do that. You know? Well, well gentlemen, it's such again, a pleasure. Thank you very much. Nice yeah. meeting you both. Guys, thank you nice again meeting for you. us today. Uh, really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys some more. Thank you. We, we do as well. Take care. This has been the Cultivating Success Podcast with Jeff Sofer and Jonathan Wolfson. To learn more about Jeff and Jonathan and their businesses, visit www.naturesexperts.com.